And so I started immediately knew, like, oh, there is, like, passive income to be made here. And the more that the audience grew and the more I developed that sort of no, like, trust relationship with my audience, the more profitable those lists and guides became. It's Mitzi and Mike, and this is Wave Social Podcast, powered by Arcade Studios, a show for marketers, creators, and brand builders who want to make waves online. We sit down with the experts and tastemakers behind today's up-and-coming brands. Today on the show, we have wardrobe and interior stylist, Charlie Goss. Yes. If you don't already follow Charlie, you need to follow her. She's a force to be reckoned with. She has grown her Instagram so much this year, and I'm such a big fan, and I was so excited to have her on the show to talk about it all. She's funny. She's really funny. She's and got attitude. She's got some spicy attitude, and that's what people, that's what made her so popular, I think, because people, like, she's entertaining, but she gives you good stuff. Yeah, she's not afraid to have a hot take, and, mm-hmm. and she stands behind what she thinks. Yeah, and her business has really grown with her growth in Instagram. Yeah, I think that's what, one of the things that impressed me about Charlie is, mm-hmm. like, a lot of people we've seen can grow their following on, on social, like Instagram, for example, but... Right. How do you translate that into an actual business? And that I feel like there's fewer people that do that successfully, but Charlie has translated her following and the community that she's built into a business. Yeah, and she has amazing digital products that she sells through Instagram. And she talks about on this episode how if she shows up on stories, she sees more sales. So if you're trying to build a business, if you're a small business owner or something like that, this is a great episode for you to take Instagram a bit more seriously or spend more time on it because she's really a byproduct of someone who's done that. Yeah. And you've bought some of her courses, haven't you? I have. Her guides. Right. Not courses. Guides. But another update from this episode, in the episode she says that she doesn't do TikTok, but since we've recorded, Breaking she news. is now on TikTok and it's awesome. So, Find Charlie Goss. Yeah. I feel like everyone's going onto TikTok. You need days. to. We're trying to. Yeah. You're I'm, succeeding more than me. I'm personally trying and then our arcade is doing it thanks to our team and if you don't follow arcade on tiktok you should go check it out yeah it's at hello arcade yeah we're having fun yeah but this is a great one i'm really excited to share this one should we welcome her let's do it come on charlie Welcome back, Charlie. It's so exciting to have you on the podcast. I'm so excited for our conversation. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's going to be great. Um, I want to get into your career path. It is not a traditional career path. I feel like you've grown so much in this year and I've been following you for a while. So it's been so fun to see that. But let's maybe rewind a little bit and get into how you got into styling. Sure. Um, Yeah, definitely not a traditional career path, I guess. I think that when you're in like college and university, you kind of have to pick. Are you going to be like a server or are you going to work in retail? I picked retail and then I ended up doing like merchandising and some management and realized that I loved being in that environment. I really do love retail. Um, my mom was always super stylish, and so I think I just started to figure out what parts of the business I really liked and what parts I didn't like, and the more I kind of got into management positions in retail, I kind of figured out that that's where I was more comfortable. You know, I'm a 
bossy person at heart, so like having people to boss around made me just thrilled. Um, and then I got sick. Um, I had cancer and we moved across the country and it felt like an existential crisis of some sort. So I pivoted and decided like, you know what, fuck everything, fuck my parents' expectations. I think I'm going to try to really do styling as a job and that is sort of my began taking personal clients, working in boutiques, and doing personal styling as my job. Nice. And you talk about like how you liked managing teams, and now your business has grown. You've taken on people onto your team now. Did you ever envision that like you would be managing a team that you for the business that you've built, like as an entrepreneur? No. I mean, at first, I didn't even know it was going to be a business. I, I had no idea. This year, honestly, God, is as shocking to me as anybody else. Really exciting. And I couldn't do it without the women that work with me here now. But, I mean, six months ago, it was me at my dining room table and my husband's cousin, who I love, but it was just us trying to make it work. Um, Hiring was tough. My husband gave me great advice, which was hire slow and fire fast. <laughs> um, so it took me some time to find the right people, but we have such a great team, and I couldn't do it without them. Delegating is still a bit tricky for me. I feel like I still need to have control and oversight a lot of the time, so that uncomfortable but so far it's been amazing that's so good i i find hiring challenging too it's so hard our our team has been growing a lot in the last year year and a half and yeah and it's it's exciting for it to grow you know it's exciting to add people to the mix but there's always right. it feels like really high stakes you know every t- every single it time does. and it feels now like you're responsible for these people you know like if everything fell apart tomorrow they have families to feed exactly totally. exactly and it and you're trusting your thing with them you know like this thing that you've put so much love and and blood sweat and tears into and then like handing it off to other people is also a little bit difficult sometimes mm-hmm. um now that you've built a lot of traction do you do you ever think back and wish you might have you would have started earlier um every day yeah yeah do you have any advice yeah. that you can offer to people that are listening to this that have a dream that they want to give a try to, but they don't really have the courage or motivation to start or they're hesitant for some reason? I mean, I think the advice is for two different things. I think if it is advice for being on social media, my advice would be different than chasing your dream, sort of. I think that I'm lucky in that both things happen concurrently. That might not be the case for everybody. So I think if we're talking about social media, it would be, and this is not an original idea by any means. I think I heard this from a social media coach podcast I listened to. 
but it was like celebrity blow up, like just so up. It is so cliche almost, but like put your face on social media and these people will not trust you if they don't like you and they can't like you if they don't know you. It's so important to show your face on there and to really treat social media professionally different than you treat it for personal use. I have a girl on my team, Alex, who's amazing and she really wants to do sort of some of her own social media and that transition from like showing photos of your baby to serving people first and offering people value is sort of where she's at right now and I think that that transition is really what led to success for me. Taking my ego out of it and it isn't about me, it's not about my husband, it's not about looking pretty on camera, nobody uses shit when I'm eating, they only care what I'm wearing. I have to serve people first. If I'm not offering them value, there is no reason for them to be in my stories. Right. Nice. Can, can we talk about that for yeah. a second? Because I feel like yeah. we, this is a transition that Mitzi and I are trying to work on personally. Because mm, yeah. Selfishly, I want to learn more about how you did that. Yeah, because we, <laughs> okay. we, we share content through our brands like this podcast or through our agency. Right. Um, and some of it is thought leadership, you know, so it is from us, but we want, we Mm -hmm. do want to make more of a transition with our personal channels to, um, serve people first and like share more of that, like wisdom and like business expertise and stuff like that. Yeah. So can you even share a couple tidbits of like how to make that transition smoothly from people expecting you to share personal stuff to people, uh, building an audience and like an expectation around more of your expertise and, and value, like you mentioned. Sure. I think the people that knew me, the people that were following me at my 700 followers last January, they probably always knew all of the same things that 25,000 people now know about me. That I shop too much, I swear too much, I drink too much, and I say too much. And I think that being really authentic from the jump and again removing my ego and asking those 700 people to share because I felt like I had maybe had something to offer was really important and not one person at least to my face was like how annoying is Charlie like fuck those people no who cares so I think that sort of exponential growth from my network was crucial. Having shareable content, crucial. I love listening to you guys, I listen to your podcast, but even seeing your faces now makes me feel so much more connected. So like showing your face and talking, which is a big hurdle for me, personally because of cancer but all of that stuff was so important to like show myself prove my value offer free advice so much free advice (laughs) and 
tons and tons and tons to have people know that they can trust me and they can trust my advice and then those people end up paying for services Mm -hmm. yeah I think like I've been following you for a while too and it's really cool to see that like no matter what day it is if I watch your stories I'm going to learn something either about your taste or about what I should like how it should connect right. to my styling. So I feel like yeah. I can always take like selfishly. And, and I think people are just selfish on social media anyways. They're always like, how is this going to help my selfish, life? Period. Yeah, yeah, period. Totally. So I like, am. how is this going to help my life? I feel like you're always so consistent in that. And I know mm-hmm. it's a grind. Like we, we work in this business. Holy it's shit. so yeah. hard. Um, but I know it's also been such a big part of what's helped your business grow. So mm-hmm. for people who maybe don't have that context, can you talk about like, you know, the massive growth that you've seen? And, and if you can pinpoint, like we've talked about valuable content already, but was there a certain like content series that you think like really helped like people want to share it more or want to talk about you more or share your profile more? Yeah, I think that we lived in Calgary. You guys are out in Calgary, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. So we lived in Calgary for five years. And although Calgary isn't like a fashion progressive city, it's still like an urban environment. Then we moved back to the GTA and we moved to the suburbs because we have two young kids and my husband is boring. And he was like, we can't live in the city with two babies. How rich do you think we are? And so we moved to another house in the suburbs. And, like, the amount of stretchy pants, I was just like, I, I can't with this. It was very different. And I feel like this kind of attack, <laughs> veiled in humor, is, like, what made people feel like it was shareable. Me being, like, why are all of you moms wearing so many leggings? Why can't we wear jeans? Buy this pair of jeans for the love of God. Like, it was just all I could do to offer my advice about how to be a young mom and not spend a million dollars, but not leave the house in goddamn leggings every day. <laughs> yes. I need to know what your DMs like are like when you talk about leggings and when you talk about Uggs. Uh-huh. Like, I know that people are coming for you in the DMs, so I'm just always so curious, like, what it's like, and and how, like, are people, like, really mad at you? Like, what's, are they, like, what is it like? Uh, most of the time, it's like, you tell them! Yeah. Which is fun, and it feels like camaraderie. But yeah, sometimes there are people that are like, how dare you? Like, there was an Edmonton blogger who will remain nameless, who, like, splashed me all over her stories, like, this woman doesn't know anything, and how judgmental is she? And that's fine. Like, if you don't have a sense of humor and you take yourself and your leggings that seriously, my profile, my page, my stories are not for you, and that is okay. The beauty of the internet is that and Instagram is that you don't have to hang out in places you don't want to hang out. Exactly. You don't have to follow if you don't like it. Yeah, so I, I kind of just take no shit and, like, don't come into my house and comment on the furniture. Just don't. If you don't want to be here, please don't. Totally. So you do, like, show up in stories every day, but I also know that you've, like, focused on creating more reels. And I know, yeah. obviously, it's, like, an important 
thing for Instagram right now. Mm-hmm. What do you think has been the best kind of like ROI for you in terms of like reels and stories and being consistent on both kind of like platforms within the platform? Like what's helped you the most in terms of getting new audiences? I I think that reels make a difference in I don't know anything about the algorithm. Like truly, this is all an accident, and you guys probably know way more than me. But uh, people kept saying it was supposed to be helpful, so I was like, "Yeah, I'll do that. Sure, whatever the Instagram jobs say." But the more that the business grew, the less time I had to dedicate to two hours of changing my clothes and fixing my makeup and all of that. So I'm doing it less right now, I feel like. But the return on investment, I think, was great for real. It didn't cost me anything. I'm in my closet every day anyway. Stories, I think, is what keeps people. Reels might be what gets people, um, but I think that stories and captions on like grid posts are where most of my shareable content came from. Cool. I also noticed that you were doing something that I thought was really like, I don't want to say brave because like heart surgeons are brave, but like it really took a lot of (laughs) like you ask people to share your profile to their stories if they find it valuable. And I, I thought that was awesome. And I was like, yeah, why wouldn't you do that? So can you, for someone who maybe like me would be a little, feel a little like, I don't know about icky, but like kind of just maybe embarrassed or like unsure or maybe not confident enough. Like what, Mm -hmm. what was the thought process around that for you? Is this a really cliche answer, but, like, when you've had cancer twice, you're like, okay, who cares? Nice, yeah. Like, I just, that concern of, like, what people who went to high school with me are going to say about me behind my back, like, who cares? You know, like, you have to do it. If that is... The ultimate goal is to, like, be recognizable on social media or grow your audience. If you think that that growth isn't going to come with more criticism and more judgment and more people talking about you, be it good or bad, then you're after the wrong thing anyway. Mm -hmm. Totally. Respect. I want to get a little bit back into the business conversation. We talked about hiring briefly. Um, but I'm, I'm curious about this. Like, what are your aspirations for your business when it comes to future growth? You know, like I, it sounds like this kind of took you by surprise that you can actually have mm-hmm. a team and stuff like that. But what about what's next? I'm sure you've got dreams. When it comes to influencer marketing, there's a podcast that covers it all that you will want to add to your playlist. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. They talk about influencer marketing, social media, the creator economy, social commerce, and much, much more. They cover all aspects, including the creator economy, social commerce, the latest trends, the metaverse, TikTok trends, and that's just the beginning. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. Add the podcast to your playlist right now. Um, oh yeah, big dreams. Um, 
I think that we would love to see some of the eventing side of the business grow. Obviously with COVID, that was not a piece of the pie that we particularly could focus on. Nobody was getting together. So that is something that I would like to focus on. A member of my team, um, Devin, has a really extensive background in event planning. So that is something that I think would be loved to get back into. It's so fun. It's like a really immediate gratification to make an event happen. And the stress of an event day is like childbirth, you know? It's just like exhilarating. <laughs> And I think that we would like to really sort of scale up. I mean, we'd love to have our own office space right now over my house. So I think growing it would be like a really three-pronged styling empire for wardrobe, interior, and event would be the ultimate draw. Yeah, and I've never experienced childbirth, but I am surprised you describe it as exhilarating. <laughs> you have watched me birth a child. Yeah, and I, I don't think it was you. exhilarating. Um, and I also wouldn't describe event planning that way either. So yeah, maybe either. we're just different. That's cool. But um, I love those goals. Oh, I love yeah. event days. It's like something's going to go wrong. You know it. You're waiting for it. It's chaos. Oh yeah, my gosh. chaos is a good word for it. I don't like <laughs> chaos, but... Mitzi loves it. So I do like I events. I thrive in chaos. Yeah. Y'all yeah. are on the same page. I like it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I wouldn't want to plan the details of it, but I do like like the thrill, the day of, the like excitement, like seeing people's right. reactions to things that you've like put so much attention to, like little little yeah. details. I'm in the process of of. Um, well, I'm not. I'm working with someone who's helping me plan our Christmas party right now. And, of course, with COVID last year, we weren't able to. So this year, we're, like, right. going big. So I'm just so – like, every time we have, like, a call about it or every, like, conversation, I'm just like, ah, I can't wait. It's so exciting. It's also, though, much like parenthood, completely thankless. Like, totally. That an event. <laughs> The best case scenario is that nobody notices anything bad. You know what I mean? Like, people would comment on things that are wrong, but nobody walks in and goes like, oh, these are observes or laid out so delicately. Like, nobody will say anything. That's true. I guess that's like a good for me to level my expectations because that's always like, mm -hmm. it's very thankful. Yeah. I feel like my blood pressure is just going up consistently <laughs> while we're on this topic. <laughs> okay, let's... You have another question, Let's right? switch gears. Yeah, so <laughs> I want to talk, like you've done, we've done, we've talked about your styling, your, you do in-person styling, you do virtual styling, uh, yeah. but you also sell digital products and I've actually bought in some of your like style guides. The, oh, you have! That's yeah, the pre-fall and I think I got the summer one. Um, but, Amazing, but they're so they're so great because it's such a time saver, and then you're also right. like feel way more confident just like looking at what you've styled for me like already. So I want to talk about how you got into digital products because I think that's like an an untapped opportunity, especially you know right now with so many like issues with supply chain and like also right. your time is so valuable. You can't be in a million places at once. I think it's so smart that you went into digital products. Can you talk to me about like how that? became a thing and then I know you're like have so many cycles different types of digital products and different types of style guides like where are you going with that 
again, winging it 100% <laughs> of the time. I listen to a ton of podcasts, like I'm a voracious listener. And I listen to a ton of like Instagram coaches and web course developers and all of these people. And I think that as I began doing personal styling for work, it became clear to me very quickly that trading my time for money only, frankly, wasn't going to make me rich. And although I love personal styling, I'm running a business, not a charity, and like, I have kids, and you know, I have um, lofty ambitions. <laughs> and I have been hearing about people making like ebooks and webinars, and I don't know, the radio, the, the lead magnets, and the sales funnels, and I was like, how do we do this? for personal styling, like how do I create an online experience that would be passive income? So I think I started, I downloaded like um, a Canva ebook template and it took me forever, like probably by the time I put the product links in, they were probably already sold out, like I'm so sorry if you bought that first job. It had like tech, like body text, and like nobody cares. Anyway, I was like, maybe this will make us a few hundred bucks. And that is at the very least passive income where I haven't had to meet somebody and style them in person. And I think I put it out, maybe I had like 2,000, maybe 3,000 followers at that point. It made thousands of dollars. What? That's so cool. And I think we sold it for like 30 bucks, maybe. And so I sort of immediately knew like, oh, there is like passive income to be made here. And the more that the audience grew and the more I developed that sort of no like trust relationship with my audience, the more profitable those lists and guides became. And I love being able to do it because exactly what you said, for people that maybe can't afford the time or the money to have a personal shopping hour or a complete wardrobe overhaul, or even to go to the mall, they can download a guide and they can have 15 stylist recommended items and ways to wear them immediately for, you know, 40 bucks or 70 bucks or whatever the prices of the guide that they buy. That's amazing. That's so cool that it was that successful with such a small follower amount. Yeah, it was, it was mild, but I think that that, that passive income changed our business. And it made me very aware of the fact that if you don't have an online component to your business in 2021, or I guess we're almost in 2022, I don't think you have a business. Yeah. So how has like your, like, I know you're pumping out guides all the time, it feels like, and I know you've updated guides and things like that. Like, what is your plan with guides moving forward? Like, are you, is that just going to be like a big core pillar for your business for at least styling? And I, I feel like you've kind of dabbled into like, are you doing interior designs 
guides too? Yeah, we uh, did my interior uh, guide. I think it's one of those models that merger guides do. But it's tricky because interior projects, although I think people care much about the interior stuff on social media, I talk about it less, we require much of those projects to make up a large amount of income. You know what I mean? Like those are higher priced projects. So even if we have five on the job, like it can be a prior piece of the business. Doing guys, yeah, I think we'll have to be a pillar of the business or some online component. Uh, right now we're working on with our web developer kind of automating some of our processes, the overhaul particularly, having kind of a place that our clients can land and then move through the process in the website. That would be kind of helpful. And it means if we scale up, that process is scalable. But what I really want to do, and the web developer hates me, is make an app. Okay. okay. Oh my gosh, that would be amazing. All right. So you could like go in and you could be like, I'm at the mall. And then you go to H&M and then like everything that I'm like, buy this is in there. And then like, don't buy this is in there. Oh my gosh, we should probably cut this so section good. out of the podcast so no one steals this idea because it's so <laughs> good. You need to do this. You do it, right? Yeah. And then people can submit, like, is this actually? And then we can be like, yes or no. Like Tinder, but for outfits. Wow. Yeah, that it would be amazing. Oh my goodness, Charlie, you need to do that. You gotta. I'm on it. It has to happen. So how many guides would you say you've created so far? Hmm. I don't know, maybe like 50? Nice. Okay. So cool. But we put them up and then we audit them. So like when they're selling through, we remove them off the website because we hate getting emails that are like, oh, the thing that I wanted was out. Like I'm not affiliated with these retailers in any way. We also don't embed like affiliate links in the jives. I feel like it sort of affects the integrity of my recommendations to have them be offering me a commission. So I recommend the items in the eyes with no monetary compensation from retailers or LTK or any of that. Our gift guides have some affiliate links, but the style guides never do. But yeah, I mean, we make them all the time and we don't have any plans to stop. That's amazing. How many would you say you make in a year? Like, how many did you make in 2021? I mean, I've only been doing this for a year, so... Okay. Maybe we'll make, by the end of the year, 60, maybe? Okay. Crazy. And then, how many do you think you'll make in 2022 compared to this year? I don't know. I feel like you might oversaturate people. Yeah. You know? But the thing is, just... like, style's changing all the time, And you know? it's so cyclical. Like, yeah. I'd buy pre-fall again. Right. Yeah, I think that it... And we can see it. Like, I, I love having... Um, a website with like great analytics so we can really see what people respond to what people don't what we can repeat again when sales are slowing down like it's only our first year so there's just nothing but learning happening over here right now and it doesn't take us much time 
and doesn't cost us anything really to make a guy put it up on the website and see if it sells. Right. You teed up my next question, which is, what have you learned from this last year of creating these guides that will set you up to be better in 2022, but that you could pass on to other people that want to create a digital product and do it efficiently? I think let's do a sweet callback here, guys. People are selfish. That's what I've learned. <laughs> Me included. We're all a little bit selfish. So my audience is 97% women. And every day, they're like, can you make a men's guide? Can you make a kid's guide? And they're like, sure, we can do that. Crickets. <laughs> Nobody <Really>? cares. <laughs> wow. Nobody bought the men's guide or the kid's guide. It's all women, and they all want to shop for themselves. So, that's what I find. Okay. That's awesome. Is there anything else, like, like I, as you've mentioned that your audience was kind of pretty critical. It was a critical for them to trust you in order to buy your guide. <laughs> like, how did you, how do you think you've built that trust with your audience? If you're a podcast host or someone wanting to be interviewed on podcasts as a guest, visit podmatch.com. Podmatch automatically connects ideal podcast guests and hosts together for interviews. We always say it works just like a dating app, but instead of connecting you for dates, it connects you for podcast interviews. Podmatch has connected over 85,000 guests and hosts together for interviews that listeners love, all while saving you countless hours of administrative work through built-in automations. If you're ready to level up your podcast interviews on either side of the mic, start today by visiting podmatch.com. I think it's important for them, especially with clothing, to talk a bit about body insecurity stuff, about fit, about sending stuff back, about money, frankly. I think that these are things that everybody thinks about when it comes to their clothing, but nobody really talks to them about, maybe. You watch, you know, I don't know, City Line or, or something, and the stylist shows you a great outfit, but I don't know that they're really ever talking necessarily about ways that you can rewear it and where to buy it affordably and where to find it cheaper and the fact that they tried 18 tops before they found one that they loved. And being really ruthlessly honest about everything that people ask me. I think my husband found it a bit shocking at first, and I didn't really plan it that way, but I never felt particularly judged. So I felt open to sharing about my cancer journey, about having kids, about my marriage, about moving, about my style, about my body, about my stars, whatever it was. I just think knowing more about me made them trust me more. Yeah. yeah. And you kind of talked about that at the top of our interview to like showing your face and like building that connection mm -hmm. with your audience. Oh, yeah. What 
what kind of like boundaries do you set? Like I, I boundaries was a big actually like conversation piece or like theme that happened for our podcast last year because it seemed like people were starting to recognize and acknowledge that boundaries with digital or social was necessary for their mental health and their well-being and all that stuff. So especially for for people who work in this business, like social media isn't just like, you know, I'm sure it's fun, but it's also it's a grind and it is work. So what kind of and sharing so much about your life and like some things that maybe, you know, aren't easy to talk about, like your cancer journey, like are there boundaries that you've set in terms of like this is what I'll, I'll share and this is what I won't share? I want to say no, we have no boundaries. Um, like I said, people knowing me, I think is really important. And our business is driven by Instagram. I can see it plain as day, but a day that I am not in stories is a smaller sales day than a day that I am. Drastically. So it's really important for me to be in there, to be online every day. My husband understands that, is really supportive of it. But when I really think about it, I think probably the boundary that I set is I'm okay for me to be portrayed in like a potentially controversial or like embarrassing moment or like with my makeup off or my hair up or whatever but not my husband or my kids or my family or any of that especially without their permission like I don't show much of that stuff you know like me and my husband fighting or my kids screaming and freaking out or my youngest one being naked always that is mainly kept at home totally yeah What's your husband's role in your business? I'm curious because even like Mitzi and I, we run our business together and we're like publicly partners, you know, but I'm sure. Right. Anyone who's married to an entrepreneur is partners in their business. Yeah. So I'm curious what that looks like for you guys. Yeah. Aside from infuriating me, um, his (laughs) role is, is that I, as a good British woman, I hate, and I mean hate, talking about money. Hate it. It makes me itch. I can't. I can't look at numbers, math, scrambles my brain. I'm like that gif with like the algebra. Like that's me <laughs> every month. So I had to like come in the big guns at a certain point and be like, here are all my receipts. I don't know what I'm doing. And he had to take over and like, found an accountant and found a bookkeeper and got the apps and the QuickBooks and the did all of that. Got us a bank account. Apparently you need one of those. Who knew? Pay your taxes. Really boring. But apparently that's all very important. I handed that off to him. Nice. Yeah, that sounds familiar. Like Mike and I had two separate agencies before we merged into our own and there are times like okay. I would forget to invoice people because I was like too busy doing the work in the zone. Like I can talk for hours about strategies, mm-hmm. but then like, oh yeah, like I yeah. it's the fifteenth and I didn't invoice them for the thirtieth. I'm then, the opposite. I'll like <laughs> I'll invoice people and forget to do the work. She's doing the work and forgetting to invoice. It's just people. that stuff's like not that interesting to me. Like I don't need to. Sp- I just don't like spending time thinking yeah, about it. it. <laughs> yeah, it's like I did the work. I had fun, 
Yeah, exactly. Like, it was successful. Exactly. Like, aren't we done here? (laughs) But, yeah. Oh, yeah. Pay me if they want to pay me, you know? Yeah, totally. So you you crush it on Instagram, obviously, and that's been what a lot of this conversation has been focused on. What about TikTok? Okay, absolutely fuck that. Like, I'm too old. I'm too old. Snapchat, You're not too old. TikTok, no. You're not too old. Come Mm -mm. on. I think you'd be great. I can't. I hired a 21-year-old, Sarah, who, her face, it just glows, the youth. And I said to her, I think maybe I have to give you, like, my Instagram password, and you can do the ticking of the talk, but I cannot. I can't. The ticking of the talk. I like it. Yeah. Well, there's your boundary. You're like, I don't have any, but it's just like... (laughs) A box around Instagram. I can't do it. And then, like, that Instagram shutdown the other day, I was like, it's all over. That's it. Well, that's why I asked that, because you're like, our business basically runs off of Instagram. And I was like, oh, dang. Like, Yeah. Thanks so much for the panic in your face. Um, I <laughs> immediately, me and Sarah, who is our incredible 21 year old uh interior designer immediately i was like we need pinterest we need tiktok we need blog posts go 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 <laughs> Crazy. by the end of the day <laughs> yeah 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 have you like explored like you have a website and like a lot of your digital products live there have you like yeah considered other like so Platform. Immediately, and I, I mean it, really, after that Instagram shutdown, we were kind of like, holy shit, let's be real that if that disappears, we're all out of jobs. So, how do we diversify and like make the website a place that people come without having to be told to come there by Instagram? So, the idea was to at least start making some blog posts so that some of that free content is living on the website. Um, to start using some of our like outfit boards that we're making for clients, putting those up on Pinterest so that that is another place that people can find us. Just sort of diversifying the places that we're showing up. Instagram, I know, is sort of our focus and where most of our people hang out, but Heaven forbid it went away. That's why the app is so important, Missy. The app is going to change yes. everything. Oh, my goodness. Who's, it's going to replace Instagram. Right. There you go. Why wouldn't it? Um, <laughs> I want to talk about your health journey. And I think you've, ta- you've been so open about your health mm-hmm. and getting cancer and all that. And you discuss, like, you've shared that you when you look back you're almost grateful in a way that you've gotten cancer because it actually helped you find your voice can you unpack that a little bit i yeah i mean nobody's grateful to get cancer but like in hindsight i think it made me tough and i think that i was probably tough before like i mentioned i'm British and not the fancy kind. Like, my parents are from, like, the east end of London. They grew up working in, like, mechanical factories, and, like, it was rough for them, you know, and they made an amazing life for themselves, but my dad and my mom are tough, and they raised two tough 
kids, we moved a lot, when we were young, and they're both very funny, sort of like, I get a lot of my best traits, I think, from my parents, they're incredible. But having cancer makes you a certain kind of tough, like that existential crisis. Like I said before, like you, there's just no small stuff to sweat anymore. Be, because why? You know, I almost died once and that is enough. But then I think about 10 days shy of being five years out, so being kind of like cured, they found a recurrence and it came back. <laughs> And I had to have the whole thing done again, the surgery and all of the stuff. And it's a lot and it really makes you assess what you care about, what is important, what you want to wake up every day and do. And frankly, it just wasn't lending my talents to other people's businesses anymore. It wasn't dealing with people in my life that weren't serving me anymore. And so it was a big period of transition. We moved back from Calgary closer to family. I started doing this from work and we reprioritized. That's awesome. Well, I think that's such an amazing story and it's such a great like part of who you are that I'm so glad that you're upfront Thanks. about that. And I think it's really makes you who you are like it's so unique um and I <laughs> I think that like that grit and that like that endurance and like I think that's a perspective that a lot of people don't have whether they like are cancer survivors or not they <laughs> have very <laughs> a lot of us have comfortable lives and we don't realize that you know and I think that yeah aside from cancer you're so right that verb like grit I think that that is such an important quality and I have a boy and a girl and already the difference in the way that people treat them and the way that she is helped and that sort of thing I already make a real point that grit is instilled in her, you know, that she is tough and scrappy as our son is expected to be. Yeah, totally. I think I completely agree. Like even now, you know, as employers too, we're seeing people who are like graduating high university or like high school or whatever, and they're looking mm -hmm. for opportunities to come that to present themselves to them too. And, or yeah. they get like hung up over one like hurdle where they get laid off and it like ruins their life like there's so many things that like yeah. people don't um that grit isn't like something that you it's hard to teach obviously even as parents like I think about that too but it's also something that people don't like value or like relish maybe they don't have that perspective that like this is gonna make me stronger this is gonna make you know my business stronger this is gonna make me a stronger parent person entrepreneur right. you know employer all those things and so I think there's like not as much value in that but I really really appreciate and respect when someone has gone through something hard and they're like still standing and pursuing you know what they love and what they're passionate about because that takes a lot of strength thanks so much being fired from every job I've ever had helps also but <laughs> and that is in itself is something that a lot of people haven't experienced so yeah yeah and, if, and then when they do it just feels like it ruins their life yeah. Right. It does for a bit, but then you find another one. Yeah.
Yeah, you move exactly. On. You make another one, you know? You mentioned your parents and how strong they were or are and how they raised two strong kids. And I think that's really inspiring. And it kind of fits perfectly with one thing that we like to ask every guest, which is what's that like one piece of advice? Um, it could be from your parents or it could be from a mentor or someone else in your life. But that one piece of advice, that's kind of always stuck with you through all of your challenges that you could pass forward to our listeners and people that are going through something. Maybe there's a couple, but like my dad has always told me that if you're on time, you're right. And I think that like you can think about it really simply or you can make it bigger and like for him it was always about like don't treat people like their time is invaluable. Like show up, be there early, be team, show that you care work hard, be the best, be the first, be the earliest. He was very encouraging in that way. And then there's like that really cliche like poster that you see on like Etsy that says work hard and be nice to people. I think that's so important. Like I I'm building a business that right now is made up of all female identifying people. And I'm sure that maybe not you, Mike, but maybe you have had experiences working in groups of women that can be less than nice. And I think that that is so important to me, building a team and building a community that we're all working hard and we're all nice to each other and we're building each other up and that there's room for everybody and everybody's ideas and there's no competitiveness because why? Um, so it's important to me like that even with my, you know, stories, like being consistent, like I just want to work hard and be nice to people be on time and we're a good outfit yeah there you go that checks all the boxes how can you not be successful (laughs) literally those are keys to success i'm gonna throw a little curveball at you i'm i'm curious how much of your success do you attribute to luck and how much do you attribute to hard work Mm. this is a trick question (laughs) i know and there's no wrong answer I don't know. I think this is maybe going to be an unpopular opinion, but, like, there's real power in being underestimated, I think. And I say this from a pretty privileged position um, in that I am white and come from a relatively affluent family. But being small and female... People necessarily think off the bat that you are shrewd and calculated and smart. And I think that there are a lot of lessons I capitalized on this past year. A lot of iterating very quickly. And it, it seems like it was an accident and part of it was, but a lot of it was hard fucking work. So maybe 20% luck, 80% being a bit of an underestimated search. 
I love it. Well, I think like even when you feel like you get a lucky streak with like social or virality or something, there is like an element of being ready for that moment that took hard work before it. It's a bit like you make your own luck, you know? Exactly. Totally. 100%. The other question we like to ask all of our guests is who is making waves right now and why? On the people on TikTok, probably. (laughs) (laughs) You need to get on TikTok. (laughs) (laughs) So many people on Instagram I follow, I'm really inspired by a lot of the kind of mid and plus size girls on Instagram right now that are speaking up a ton about fast fashion and that there is a huge part of the female population especially that is just completely underserved by the stores at the mall which is absolute garbage because barely anyone is a size double zero but somehow there's no extra large that is a whole other conversation but there are so many amazing mid-sized women doing that right now. Diana Jarez is here in Toronto. She's amazing. Katie Storino, who, like, takes celebrity outfits and then, like, wears them on, like, a larger body to be like, you can do it too. She's amazing. Um, Mel, who works for you, I find super inspiring. And Maria, who is also out in Calgary, um... Those women that are sort of coming up alongside me on Instagram feel like we are always looking to each other for inspiration and guidance and support. But yeah, probably the people on TikTok are making better ways than us. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, those are all great women. I, I'm a big fan of all of them. Okay, final questions here. Uh, where can listeners connect with you? Let us know what your handle is. How can we follow you and get more from you? You can follow me on Pinterest and Instagram and probably TikTok uh, at Charmagos, just my name. And the website is just charmagos.com. Beautiful. Easy. Love it. Well, thank you so much, Charlie. This has been such a great conversation. We learned so much about you and I appreciate you being so transparent and sharing it all with our audience. Uh, Thanks for having me, guys. It was uh, an honor and... You're the best, and I love listening, and just thanks for following and caring and inviting me. You're killing it. Just keep doing what you're doing. <laughs>